This episode of On the Hop News is brought to you by Thinking Baseball, the only educational baseball app for coaches and players that allows users to see, hear, and touch the plays as they happen. Narrated by a legendary baseball broadcaster, Pat Hughes, and powered by a groundbreaking database, Thinking Baseball puts you on the diamond. Whether you're the cutoff man on a hit to the outfield or the first baseman trailing the batter on a sure double, everyone on the field has a job to do on every play. Learn to do it better with Thinking Baseball. Visit thinkingbaseball.com or download the free app from the Apple Store or Google Play today. It's time to get your head in the game. Today is April 24th, 2019, and this is Wednesday's edition of On the Hop. Good morning, good morning, baseball enthusiasts. Welcome to On The Hop, a daily baseball podcast focused on delivering up-to-date news from around the league. Two more days until pretzel day, people. Let's get right to it. And right off the bat, pun not intended, we are back to talking about weaponized baseballs. With two out in the ninth and the Mets up 9-0, reliever Jacob Rame threw behind Phillies Reese Hoskins. After a couple of players stood to stare or trickle out onto the field like they were going to do something, play resumed. Rame then walked Hoskins, but not before sailing another pitch behind Reese's head once again. Reese chucked his bat to the side, had a little chat with the catcher, and moseyed on to first base. The Phillies had some frustrations that they wanted to voice after the game. When asked if he thought Rame threw at Hoskins intentionally, manager Gabe Kepler said, It sure looked like it to me. It sure did look like it. When asked if Rame's pitches were retaliation for Mets Wilson Ramos and Pete Alonso getting hit the previous night, Hoskins added, well, he didn't miss up and in or out and up to a lefty the rest of the inning, so I'll let you decide. And when asked if he was surprised by Hoskins' reaction, Rame said, when you accidentally say one, it's probably pretty scary. I'd get pissed too. Not really a plea of innocent, if you are asking me. I personally think the whole thing of throwing at a batter in retaliation or to send a message is just stupid. It clearly shows that you were bothered, that whatever the opposing team or player did got under your skin. It actually shows weakness. And this whole, if you pimp a home run, be prepared to get hit threat is also so childish. No one cares about your sensitive ego. Bold statement here. Those that live by that mantra, the mantra being, if you show up the pitcher, whatever that means, then prepare to get one in the ribs, shows so much, so much insecurity as a person and your skills as a ball player. According to the Chicago Tribune, Cubs shortstop Addison Russell is entering the final stretch of his 40-game suspension and will start with AAA Iowa today. Addison Russell is serving a suspension for violating the MLB's domestic abuse policy. Manager Joe Madden says he has plans to talk to Russell about topics more important than baseball, and teammate Jason Howard says he's taken the initiative from the beginning. But he understands this process is up to him, and he wants it bad enough. Of course, you can say that, but he's taken the action, so that's something all of us understand. The article concludes that Russell's return doesn't guarantee that he will start at shortstop on a permanent basis. Because there is nothing more pressing and nothing of higher importance in baseball right now than an updated logo, MLB has done just that. And its first change since 1992, when the league darkened the blue and brightened the red, MLB has adjusted its logo once more. I believe mainly three changes were made. Change number one, the colors were changed in order to be an exact match to the colors of the American flag. Change number two, a new typeface was developed called MLB bullpen. I quote, it's all predicated on the angle of the bat. 
So the angle of the bat reads into how a lot of other letters are formed. Don't ask me what that means. And then change number three. The text of Major League Baseball has been removed to where only the logo is displayed. Now, honestly, if you're asking me, it looks pretty good. Maybe I'm going to put a little poll on Twitter to see your reaction or your thoughts as well. Injury report. MLB trade rumor reports that Padres prospect Anderson Espinosa has undergone Tommy John surgery. He will miss all of the 2019 season and quite likely a good portion of 2020 as well. Now, he was already recovering from a prior Tommy John procedure, but it seems his replacement ulnar collateral ligament blew out at the point of the graft. I sort of know what that means, but I think it's safe to say the repair didn't hold. He has not pitched since 2016. ESPN reports that Reds outfielder Matt Kipp has been placed on the 10-day injured list with a broken left rib. The injury occurred when he slammed into the outfield wall during Sunday's game. Kemp said, I fought the wall, and the wall won. The wall is undefeated. Again, according to ESPN, Indian starting pitcher Carlos Carrasco was yanked after four innings in last night's game against the Marlins due to some left knee discomfort. He is being taken to have a precautionary MRI, and manager Terry Francona hopes it's nothing serious. Carrasco got hurt when he stumbled and fell while covering first base in the fourth inning. He finished the inning but was pulled after telling Francona his leg tightened. He kind of bruised it. He fell on it, but he initially felt it in the back, Francona said. So that's why the medical people felt like, let's just rule everything out. Blake Snell is scheduled to start against the Kansas City Royals today as he is returning from fracturing his right fourth toe. Snell threw 18 pitches off a mound Saturday and an eight-pitch bullpen session Monday. It felt good and I'm ready to go, Snell said. ESPN reports that Snell still has some discomfort when walking, but that it doesn't exist when throwing from the mound, which is actually the important part. Good news coming out of Pittsburgh. Nick Birdie has avoided the worst-case scenario after his scary-looking injury while pitching on Monday night. According to Jeff Passan, Birdie suffered a strained biceps tendon and flexor mass injury, but avoided any major structural damage. Passan also tweeted out around noon yesterday, the plan is for Pirates reliever Nick Birdie to seek a second opinion per his source. The injury was so painful and the feeling so acute. Birdie wants to ensure that rehab is indeed the preferred course of action and he can avoid another procedure on his surgically repaired right arm. Let's certainly hope for the best. Quick news from around the league. Phillies manager Gabe Kapler has received a call from Joe Torre yesterday afternoon concerning the incident on Monday when Harper got tossed. He had this to say, he called not that long ago and basically wanted to get my side of the story before he talked to the umpires. I have no idea what the procedure would be, but I was very cognizant of the space I had between me and Mark, uh, the umpire, and feel like I respected that. On the other side, Mark Carlson implied that there was contact between himself and Kapler. Carlson was asked if he thought the contact was intentional, but crew chief Brian Gorman said that is a decision for the league to make. Harper getting disciplined is inevitable, but if Kapler does, well, I just, I don't know what to say. I really don't. According to Bleacher Report, a game-used New York Yankees jersey worn by Babe Ruth in the late 1920s is expected to set the all-time world sales record for a piece of sports memorabilia with an expected price tag of over $4.5 million when it hits the auction block June 15th. The jersey will be sold by Hunt Auctions, and its president, David Hunt, has this to say. The scarcity and desirability of this particular Babe Ruth jersey simply cannot be overstated. Ruth game-worn jerseys are the pinnacle of collecting and investment pursuits within the marketplace, with the current offering marking a generational opportunity. We fully expect demand and bidding interest befitting the greatest figure in the history of the sport. And related news, reported also by Bleacher Report, a rare 1915 Cracker Jack Ty Cobb baseball card has sold for $504,000 per TMZ Sports. Not only is the card more than 100 years old, 
but it also received a mint rating, a 9 out of a possible 10, by the Professional Sports Authenticator. This is one of three cards of its kind to receive this rating. Another was sold in 2017 for about 430000 And an article written by Scott Miller about Davis's struggle during his hitless streak, he gives some significant praise to the Orioles' first baseman. I'm just going to go ahead and read the last paragraph of this piece for you to enjoy. In the time of his greatest humiliation, he was conscientious enough to think of others. Now he plans to auction the ball and give the proceeds to the University of Maryland Children's Hospital. One more classy reminder that the same holds true in baseball as in life. How you act when things are not going well reveals far more about a person's character than how you behave when things are great. Because that last part is the easy part. The trick is to keep swinging and maintain your composure when you're in that 0 for 54 hole, when nothing is dropping and the quicksand is sucking you into the earth. The beauty of it is, in baseball and in life, you've got tomorrow to make it better. According to Larry Brown Sports, Zach Wheeler became the first pitcher this season to accomplish a pretty impressive feat. During the Mets' win over the Phillies last night, Wheeler pitched seven shutout innings, struck out 11, and also hit a home run. But get this, and, I, and I'm not joking at all, this is real, and I'm quoting, this allowed Wheeler to become the first pitcher ever to throw a pitch 100 or more miles per hour, as well as hit a ball over 100 miles per hour. You can't make this stuff up. Maybe you are impressed with that record. I'm not. Maybe you are. Not actually what he did. I mean, as a big leaguer and National League fan, swear by not allowing the DH, so I'm not sure why a pitcher hitting a home run is that impressive, but here we are. I'm just talking about the whole being the first such and such to do such and such and pick the smallest, most insignificant stat line just to give someone notoriety. Honestly, for me, this is equivalent to a participation trophy. And some awesome bit of news, Yasiel Puig turns his brawl against the Pirates into a custom t-shirt. He literally had a t-shirt made that reflects a framed classic piece of art in which Puig is in a sea of black and yellow Pirates trying to take on the whole team. He properly names the picture El Guerrero Rojo, which means the Red Warrior. This may have just made me a Puig fan. And finally, according to Ballpark Digest, on June 3rd, the Kalamazoo Growlers summer collegiate uh, baseball team in the Northwoods League will have fans check their cell phones at the gates when they host phone-free nights. All fans attending the game will be forced to check their cell phones when entering the stadium. Fans who manage to sneak their phones into the stadium during the game will be asked to hand them over or be ejected by specially trained phone umpires. Vice President Brian Capoli has this to say, While the cell phone has changed most of our lives for the better, it's a double-edged sword. We're more disconnected with each other now than ever before. On June 3rd, we want everyone to put the phones away for a few hours and enjoy time together with their loved ones. To do this, we're taking this drastic action. Drastic indeed. The article continues. Throughout the game, the Growlers will be sharing tips with fans on how to limit screen time with their phones, and these include the following. Installing a time limit app to reduce time using unessential apps. Set aside times where the whole family logs off, such as dinner and before bed. Using a real alarm clock instead of your phone and keeping your phone in a different room during the night. I, I didn't know that real alarm clocks were still in production. Disabling notifications so valuable family time isn't interrupted by another Candy Crush notification. Do people still play Candy Crush? Um, I've moved on to Toy Blast, to be honest. And knowing the signs of cell phone addiction and where to get help. I would advise anyone in Kalamazoo, Michigan to come to this game because you can buy the cheap seats and probably move down to the front row before the first pitch. Let's see how this one plays out. That's it. I'm done. Thanks for tuning in to Wednesday's edition of On The Hop News. And remember, the way to make coaches think you're in shape in the spring is to get a tan. Talk to you tomorrow.